A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. You're listening to Star Wars Beyond the Films, the official expanded universe podcast of StarWarsReport.com. There is a great disturbance in the force. That's right, Whistler. Welcome to episode 171 of Star Wars Beyond the Films, your discussion podcast, your podcast of legends, your ticket to that galaxy far, far away. Our episodes broadcast on the Star Wars Report website, Second Airborne Division, a podcast at www.starwarsreport.com. Episodes can also be found on iTunes, Zoom, as well as Stitcher, and right on our own Twitter and Facebook pages at SWBeyondFilms. Hey, but enough about how you got here. Let's get this show started. I'm one of your hosts, the defender of the EU, the champion of the multiverse, the bipolar Star Wars fan, Mark Erleman. And with me, like the wave of fear that surrounds the Dark Lord Vader, the EU guru himself, the Count of Continuities, Mr. Nathan P. Butler. No, no, that's not fear. I just had enchiladas. That's all. Yeah. That's right. Start with the fart joke. Um... No, this will be another of these episodes. You want to talk about fear. Uh, wait for the outtakes, ladies and gentlemen, because we are doing feedback this time, which means I've got to keep Outlook open, which means every so often there'll be an Outlook blaring sound or something to cause me to cuss and start over. This will be fun. <laughs> oh, the edit time this will take. Star Wars Beyond the Films, we ask the tough questions. Questions that have bothered you for a long time, or simple ones that have perplexed you off and on. You ponder about Star Wars, and so do we. This episode, we take a look once again at your emails and feedback. Once more, you're the star. Now consider this your spoiler warning, Beyonders and Sentients of all ages, because here we go. Another adventure beyond the films. That's right, and this will be the first of probably several episodes on feedback because we have quite a bit uh, dating pretty far back. This has been a very chock-full year of content, but that means less time to go back and check out your feedback. I would almost say we should start with the Twitter troll and how, you know, you're an idiot and I'm a self-righteous a-hole, but I think we hit that enough in our uh, in our introduction to the, uh, what was it, Heir to the Jedi episode True and that. such. So perhaps... It's time to let it go. Uh, so we will start with an email coming in from John Baldy. John says, Hello, gentlemen. A couple of years ago, I took the plunge from being a casual Star Wars movie fan to being an EU novels fan. I started reading the adult novels from the beginning of the chronology, which at the time was Lost Tribe of the Sith. I added books as time and finances allowed, but progress was slow going. When the announcement was made that the EU was being turned into Legends, I was working my way through the X-Wing series. With that announcement, my OCD kicked in and I decided to purchase all the remaining books immediately as I did not want part of my collection to say Legends and part of it to lack the Legends label on the book covers. My goal was to finish all the adult novels in Legends by the release of Episode 7. I felt to meet this self-imposed deadline, I would need to be done with the New Jedi Order by the end of 2014. I was doing well until I hit the Force Heretic trilogy. 
The new adventures on Bakura and the fate of the Yavetha just did not appeal to me and were things I had not been wondering about during the Vong War. And I know Dark Nest is after New Jedi Order, and from your comments, I was not looking forward to it. I would skip the trilogy and read about it on Wikipedia if not for that darned OCD. I'm also purchasing the Story Group canon as it comes out. Since we are at the proverbial ground floor of the new canon, I plan to purchase all the fiction material, adult novels, comics, and children's books, and read them as they appear. As a result, the first comic I ever bought was the Son of Dathomir arc. I actually bought two copies of each issue, one for each canon collection. Once I finish the adult novels in the Legends line, I plan to go back and read the comics. Instead of collecting individual issues, I'm planning to pick up the Omnibuses. Omnibuy. He says Omnibuses. I say Omnibuy. It's safer just to say Omnibus Editions. We'll, we'll, we'll keep both of them. Yeah. Okay. Are there any arcs or issues that are not collected in Omnibus form? I do not want to miss anything, and I'm trying to figure out what I will need to hunt down. One last question. Do you know if the upcoming novel Dark Disciple will be part of both continuities as it's part of the Clone Wars Legacy Multimedia Project? Sort of like Son of Dathomir? Thanks for your help, John Baldy. Well, Dark Disciple is canon only. Uh, when they mentioned that, it was never talked about as being something well, they purchased. No, I'm not going with that. You're not going with that. Well, no. that, that's that's what the Star Wars Adele Ray panel, when they were talking about it and they were showing it, they never once mentioned it as a Legends work. They did mention that it did come from those plots and stuff that came from the Clone Wars. And the Untold Clone Wars gave us more insight to that as well the day before, uh, where most of the plots that they were going to be using and, and the story animations were retooled for Dark Disciple. But they did use that term a lot, that it was retooled and, and retold. Uh, so as from my opinion, I mean, they, granted, they never were asked specifically about it. So I'm just going from what I saw there at the panel. I, I'm going to say it's strictly canon, but well, what we clearly were told, we disagree. <laughs> what we were told originally was that the Clone Wars and all that it encompasses is part of both continuities because it is an integral part now of Legends, thanks to things like Fate of the Jedi and it is now part of that ground floor of the new canon. Essentially, they've taken the T canon level and the G canon level of Legends, lifted it out, or I guess sort of copied and pasted it, so that it's still in Legends as the heart of that, but now it is also the heart of this new continuity that's being built up where everything is supposed to be equal. And they've said anything previously based on those you know, unproduced Clone Wars episodes is considered part of the Clone Wars. And if the Clone Wars is in both, then those things they're saying are now part of the Clone Wars should be in both. That's why Son of Dathomir appears in both. They never went around and talked about it being, for instance, story group canon. They talked about it as being the last of Dark Horse's run. But does it get carried over? Yes, and we found out for sure that that was the case in, among other things, Ultimate Star Wars. So Dark Disciple, if being treated the same as that, if being treated the same as the story reels that we got for the Utapau arc and the story reels that we got for the Bad Batch arc, by definition, by being considered Clone Wars, would have to be in both. Um, I'm sure when it comes out, that's a question I'll probably run by Pablo Hidalgo if it hasn't already been answered. But given their own rules that they've set up, even if they are talking about it as a canon novel to distinguish it from being something that is, um, you know, something like, say, Kenobi... If it's considered part of the Clone Wars, it must make that that connection, as far as I understand the way that they laid out their own rules. With Bad Batch, actually, they asked that one specifically to Dave Filoni, uh, and Dave Filoni was very hesitant to give any answer on the matter. In fact, when he finally did, he said, we'll say for us here in this room, 
that it's canon. But that's only for us in this room to say. And that's where he left that with the Bad Batch arc because someone asked that, one of the kids had asked that after the fact because they wanted to know if it was canon. Uh, they loved it and thought it should be canon, but he he did not flat out say it. He went very around and about to say that only the people in this room would say it was canon and that was as far as he was going to go with that. And he left it very nebulous. Yeah, that's one of the things that, that was kind of up in the air with Son of Dathomir too, the idea of, well, what if, they decide to pick up Maul's arc, say, in Rebels, and do it a different way than those unproduced Clone Wars scripts would have done. Um, and in theory, they could run over it, but they, you know, in doing so, they would be reverting back to, right, Legends rules, not everything is equal rules mm-hmm. for the story group. It'll be interesting to see what happens when we see, you know, a filmmaker or a cartoon maker decide to do something different than what was in a book or a comic and whether or not that's, uh, that's able to stick. Or, the, the story reels, for instance, that sort of thing. As yeah. Well, the other thing about Dark Disciple, though, is it doesn't say the Clone Wars anywhere on the novel. It's just Star Wars Dark Disciple. So they could be dodging the bullet in that re- realm as well. Just be like, well, it's a story set off of that and based off of these things, but it's not actually a Clone Wars story. They didn't say that with Son of Dathomir either, though. True. But then again, they didn't even show Son of Dathomir on the uh, the, the little timeline they had at all. But they're uh, not showing comics at all on the timeline. The only thing they're showing yeah. on the timeline is the books. Yeah. Yeah, there's some clarity that needs to be created out there. Uh, and some of it's very close to the chest. I was able, by the way, to hear back from Papa Hidalgo on Fantasy Flight Games. Are they being treated the same way as Tor does? Unfortunately, I cannot publicly provide the answer to that. Um, the answer he gave was essentially, as he put it, for my own edification, just so that I kind of... Um, could calm down about the issue. Suffice to say, I'm going to leave it the way that I'm treating it on the timeline for now. Um, it'd be nice, though, if sometime there were, you know, some kind of public proclamation or whatever you want to call it on the subject. Um, as for things that aren't collected in individual or in a, an omnibus form as opposed to individual issues of the comics, you know, honestly, I would have to go back and dig and dig and dig to check. Um, some of the more obscure stuff would fall into that category, like the comics that you get in um, Star Wars Magazine, not Star Wars Insider, Star Wars Magazine, or uh, the Clone Wars Magazine, or the UK, and which is really just a translation of, I think, a German release, uh, Rebels Magazine that's going on right now. Those are comics that are not going to be collected anywhere else. As for the mainstream Marvel and Dark Horse ones, pretty much all of them have been collected at some point. I think between Omnibus, which doesn't collect everything, uh, Trade Paperback, which combined with Omnibuy, collects pretty much everything um and perhaps a few supplemental things here or there as a couple of individual issues or maybe just you know hopping on and getting some digital issues you should be able to cover most everything uh the stuff that you won't wind up getting your hands on are going to be things that are so obscure as to probably not be a big issue anyway although there is one that i would actually have to go back and look i don't think was ever reprinted in the u.s from the uk star wars magazine that was the story that may even be story group canon because of the fact that the story group was supposedly going in and approving at least some of the stories in that, um, that tells the story of C-3PO's mind wipe right after Revenge of the Sith and the circumstances surrounding it. You won't find it in the U.S., I don't think, anywhere. You'd have to get that U.K. comic or find somebody Mm -hmm. having scanned it for you or something online. The vast majority, though, yeah, you can pick up, and pick up relatively cost-effectively with the Omnibuy or trade paperbacks. 
Yeah, you know, the other thing, uh, I too bought two copies of Son of Dathomir for each of my shelves. I bought the single issues for my Legends, because all of my Legends comics are in two long boxes. Uh, but the other ones, I'm going with the bigger bookshelf, putting the hardcovers, paperbacks, and the comics together. So I, I did that one in a trade. Um, so yeah, I, I feel you on that one. Uh, Darkness, I, I know I'm hard on Darkness, but I, for me, my issue with Darkness and all the series they're in come with Denning and, and don't take it wrong because I love Denning. He's one of my favorite authors. He writes one of my favorite books. The man rocks a mid story book. If you've gotten to star by star yet, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, but when it comes to closing, when you get to darkness, you're going to love the first two books or, or enjoy them to a degree. Uh, and I was enjoying the third book right up until the end. And it just, the way things wrapped up had me feeling a little like it was rushed uh, I felt like there was no exit strategy. There just a lot of things just felt off. Like it, it felt like we kind of reset things that we had established in the first two books. Uh, and, and that's just something that Denning seems to do at the end of the next two series as well. But that's just more my issue with the way he closes things. I just, I really didn't care for that. But the rest of the, the book series, it had some really great moments. Uh, some Han and Luke moments that were awesome. There was a moment with R2, especially uh, with Luke, where uh, Vader comes in while he's post or, or pre-suit. Uh, and the way that that plays in is one of my favorite scenes in all of Legends. Um you know, and Jason's involved with that. There, you know, I, I, I think for me, the biggest issue I had was Jason went from this really cool rogue Jedi who was going to become something more than a Jedi to it seemed like they were trying to push him becoming this dark Jedi all of a sudden. And I didn't really care for that. I know, Nathan, that that became more the journey you really enjoyed the most. Um, but for me, that was something like I, I felt like from where we had gone through with New Jedi Order and stuff, I felt like it was a derailment of the character. I hated when when other fans would use the term Jino for him, Jason in name only, but in so many ways they were right. Uh, you know, it did feel that way at times. Granted, once it was all over and I can accept it for what it is, and being in a position where you're at, you know, you already know that the story is already told, so there is no possibility of which direction it could go. It's done, it's set in stone. I think you'll probably enjoy it a heck of a lot more than I did my first time through. And I haven't really gone back and reread these a few times. I know if I had... You know what I always say, if you reread one of these books, you're going to enjoy it a heck of a lot more on your next time through. Uh, I do know, though, and I think you all agree, the X-Wing books are a pretty good ride. I did like the the growing uh, dark side aspects of Jason as we got into Legacy of the Force. The idea of him sort of having his own version of an Anakin-style arc that was played out in a little more uh, depth and over a longer period of time. Uh, my problem with Darkness, though, simply is that it sucked. And I think that's pretty much all there is to say about it. Wow, not... I mean, we're not talking Bounty Hunter Wars trilogy sucked, but pretty close. <laughs> now, we also had a follow-up question uh, that he sent, which is, I just finished listening to part two of the Formats episode. During it, Nathan had mentioned that he is subscribing to the Marvel Star Wars lines this year. I was also considering that, but had concerns about the quality of the product upon arrival. I'm assuming a couple of months will pass before your next feedback episode. He was right. If so, then you would have a few issues to judge the success from. Could you give us an update on the condition of the books when you receive them? And honestly, my experience with comics in the mail has been kind of a mixed bag. In that, for the longest time, I was ordering books through uh, comics through things from another world. 
and they would show up in these hard cardboard style flat little you know mailers and they would be bent all to hell for some reason the male people around here couldn't figure out that cardboard hard stiff shouldn't be effing bent to stick it in the mailbox or stick it in the door or whatever or somebody was screwing it up somewhere along the way but about three times out of every five I was getting bent comics and they would have to send a replacement or I just have to live with the fact that the comic inside was bent. So for things from another world, I have switched to now having them send them monthly to cut down on the shipping costs through UPS ground. And that's working great. They're coming in in terrific condition. It just means that they're coming later. But right now I'm tending to pick up all of them digitally first. It, it's, it's weird what I'm doing. I'm picking up digitally first getting them through the mail, through things from another world, then taking those, and since they come with a digital code, I'm giving my first digital code to Mark. But then I'd also subscribed, and TFAW stuff is sort of a backup for the subscription. When the subscription ones come, I then give that code also away uh, to Brock, who's eventually going to be a regular, hopefully with us on Rebels Roundtable also. But those Marvel ones that show up in the mail, I find it mind-boggling that when they show up, they're usually in almost pristine shape. There is no board in the bag. It's just a, like a harder, thicker piece of paper that has the mailing address and stuff on it that's stuck in there with the comic itself inside a plastic baggie. Kind of like the plastic baggie that you used to get back in the 90s where, you know, you get like X-Force number one with the little trading card and have mm -hmm. the poly bag thing around it. Um, they show up and every once in a while the corner has a little bit of a ding to it. But by and large, they're coming in in terrific shape somehow better shape than those hard cardboard mailers did from things from another world. So I would say that if you are thinking about doing the Marvel subscription service, it's actually a pretty decent service. It's all going through Mile High Comics. The downside to it, though, is that their customer service so far sucks. I have emailed them customer service-wise twice, once to make sure that the address was going to be correct before they sent any of them because something was up with their form when I subscribed. Turns out that it's fine. But I never heard back a word, even though I got that, you know, our people are looking at it. Here's your confirmation number type of email. Um, most recently, I'm pretty sure my Vader number four is gone in the mail somewhere. It's just, it has not arrived, and it should have arrived before Star Wars 4 and their most recent Princess Leia, but it hasn't. I've emailed them telling them that, specifically with that issue. I got the confirmation saying they're looking into it, um, the automated form type thing. Haven't heard... <laughs> since then. So if you're looking for good customer service, do not look there, at least in my experience. But as long as you actually get it in the mail, they'll come in pretty good shape. It's also a pretty decent price. I forget the percentage compared to a newsstand price, but it was pretty inexpensive. I did that deal where you could subscribe to Leia, Star Wars, and Darth Vader and have it for a year uh, for relatively cheaply when that was being offered. Nice. You know, the only the only thing about that that might be worrisome is is how long those series go. I mean, if they all continue to go, you know, for the full year, that's a great deal. But if they only go like six to eight issues and then it's done, you're like, ah, great. well, Leia, Leia ends after five. It, OK, so I mean, because I'm going back and forth on that. Like, I, I think that's a brilliant idea to, to do them in small fits like that. But I kind of wonder, too, if if they should continue with those arcs. Um you know, I like doing it by fives because then you don't have to worry about the run being canceled mid midway through. They're able to tell the story they want to tell. But at the same time, I kind of, you know, if they have a bigger story being told, it'd be nice to know that they were planning on like five 
you know, Leia comics that are all five and six issues each, you know, but we've so far got the first one and the next one will come. Uh, but I don't know, Marvel, when it comes to giving that kind of advanced information, they, they tend to play things a little tighter to the chest. I mean, I, I'm following other series and stuff where I'm constantly like, wait, which is next? So it's like, I really hope they don't go that route eventually with what they're doing with Star Wars. I hope they keep it arc based, you know, the five out of fives, the six out of sixes. Uh, I, I, it's the ongoing stuff where I start to really worry because then it's like they start doing those crossovers and things. And then if you're not following at all, you, you might miss something and I don't want to miss in a minute. I don't want to miss one minute, man. And you know, we'll talk about this when we eventually have some finished arcs of star Wars and Darth Vader to actually talk about on the show, but they've already done at least one or two major crossovers between the ongoing star Wars series and the ongoing Vader series. Um, yeah. So you not only in terms of, you know, well, here's this here's Vader remembering something in Darth Vader that happened back in Star Wars, but the whole idea of Vader going to meet Jabba the Hutt in Darth Vader number one and how he has to make this special meeting the day before just for him before his official Imperial meeting the next day, that meeting is never shown in Darth Vader, and yet that's what just finally happened in Star Wars number four. So you're meant to essentially be reading those interweaving, but they're not paced in such a way that if you're reading them in real time as they come out, that they're actually interweaving in that fashion. It's it's a little bizarre. Um, but then again, I find that much of Marvel's timing is bizarre. I just recently figured out that uh, thanks to a, a comic book that's apparently canon in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Hulk, Iron Man 2, and Thor all happen within the span of one week. So I'm like, whatever. I'm throwing my hands up and just saying, just tell me a decent story, Marvel, and we'll figure it out later. Apparently, you're going with the uh, the old Clone Wars approach. I, dude, it is bad. It is really bad with their other stuff. I mean, if you've got a hero that crosses over into more than one storyline, kiss it goodbye. Beast? Like, there's so many different versions of Beast, and they've tried to explain it all away that it's it's made it more hard to follow because they'll come up with some pretty rational reasons why he looks this way and then that way and then this way. And then you get from one artist to another, and it's like they forgot that they put out that reason why, and then he's drawn him the way he's always drawn him. It's like, well, they just wreck on that, man. So, I, I, yeah, that's the side of it that I'm just like, I, I'm glad that so far Story Group's got a tight rein on this because it could get ugly fast, man. And yet, what are people pissed about? Joss Whedon and Black Widow saying, I'm a monster too. Oh my god! He's anti-feminist. It's Joss effing Whedon, Buffy, right? <laughs> Faith, you know, Dollhouse, uh, River Tam. Yes, that's right. Joss Whedon is going to be the one that's anti-feminist and misogynist. Where are your heads? And yeah, I'm a monster too. She's an effing assassin. That's the point. Yeah. Did you catch <sighs> Mark the Ruffalo's internet. tweet back to that? They're all like, they made Natasha a love interest that needs saving. And he's like, I thought they made Bruce Banner a love interest that needs saving. I'm like, yes, yes that's exactly is. it right there. <laughs> exactly. All right. Moving on past Marveldom. Uh, we have two that came in. So we'll do these essentially back to back here from Justin Hardwick. Uh, some questions and whatnot. Uh, his first email says, hey, guys, I have a few points that I'd like to give a bit of voice or discussion to. I know the continuity debate is almost a year old now, but I would like to bring up a point of view that I don't think has been brought up yet. The view from a teenager. The death of the EU, I plan to continue calling it that, definitely saddens me. I first discovered Star Wars around 2005, and I read just about every young reader's Star Wars book in our local library. Then, at about the age of 10, I made the jump to adult novels, starting with, strangely, Order 66. 
At this point in time, my imagination was running wild with just about everything. I fell in love with the Clone Wars period and sometimes imagined myself fighting alongside the Knolls and the Commandos, but I never really got around to a lot of the stuff in the EU. Now, about six years later, I've lost a little bit of touch with Star Wars and the reset gives me a chance to read every book or comic as it happens. It allows me to grow with the universe. Sure, I'm going to struggle with, oh, that already happened, but it'll be nice to begin anew, so to speak. My second point involves the Force Awakens trailer. Now, this was sent back in January, so it's talking about the first teaser. I was listening to some other podcast, I believe Ion Cannon, and they were discussing the soccer ball droid. That's BB-8. It went a little like we saw how R2 didn't do so well with his treads on Tatooine, so if this is on a sand planet, maybe the ball design works a lot better on the sand. Just a little something that might create some discussion. Finally, I'd like to thank you guys for doing some of the best Star Wars podcasting out there. It's very professional, always comes out on time, and offers the same comprehensive coverage of everything you look at. You guys do a great job. Good luck in the future, Justin Hardwick. P.S. Do you plan on doing an episode just on Episode 7? Well, with Episode 7, I, I say yes. I mean, I know, you know, we focus on a lot of EU stuff, books and comics and everything beyond the films. But one angle that I love is that our fandom is beyond the films and reacting to anything Star Wars is beyond the films. Uh, and the other side of it, too, is everything that does exist beyond the films, be it EU and things of that nature, typically always tied into those films anyway. Uh, now we have a canon moving forward where everything counts. So naturally, you're going to have to consider that because now what was just the films as its own medium is also part of the same story that we're looking at as well. So with episode seven, I would say, yeah, we'll probably definitely have an episode focused on that um, and a couple different angles. We'll probably talk about the journey to uh, uh, The Force Awakens, uh, the whole September 4th event they're doing with the uh, figures that they're unleashing and the 20 books that they're putting out. Then with the uh, releasing of the book for the uh, film itself, how it's coming a month later, but they're putting the ebook out December 18th, things of that nature. Uh, you know, you mentioned the death of the EU and, and the teenager's perspective. Um, that's one that always is, is strikes me because there are a lot of little things I ponder. Like, you know, did I show my son Star Wars at such a young age that he's never going to have that? Well, what was my first moment kind of thing? And will he ever get into it because these characters aren't the story that's being focused on right now? Now we're, we're doing the, you know, the new canon stuff. And it is nice to have a new jump point in that regard. Uh, but, you know, one thing I did pick up very heavily throughout celebration and and the star wars at delray panel especially uh jennifer heedle and shelly shapiro both made it sound over and over again that legends isn't dead it hasn't been forgotten there just aren't enough months in a year for them to publish all the stories they would like to tell plus the legend stuff uh you know they've got to definitely be focusing on the new stuff right now and that makes sense uh and they wanted to reiterate time and time again that that legends is near and dear to their hearts and has not been forgotten they, they kept saying things like never say never uh and and things of that nature so i you know i came away from celebration feeling more confident than ever that we'll continue to see legends continuing in some form or fashion uh, pablo hidalgo at the untold clone wars had said uh that the old republic mmo was also legends and we've also gotten you know some some uh online content uh short story for legends uh the mmo for the old republic we've gotten the skywalkers by abel uh, Pena, and we've got uh, the third Han Solo adventure, all been released digitally off through StarWars.com and other websites and stuff. But content in that nature is still flowing. They're just not advertising it, which I think that, you know, we, we were talking earlier about some clarity. There were a lot of things that they were talking about this nature where they were really tiptoeing around things, which 
you know, it really makes me think that Legends isn't dying. Legends will never die. It's just been put on the back burner. It's it's simmer has been turned down to the lowest. And, you know, they know that the fans of the EU are not going to go away. You know, they know that the movement to save Legends is, is just as strong as the movement to save the Clone Wars was. Uh, you know, I, I think that 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 will always be prevalent to them. And when the time is right, they've got projects that they can continue again. They, they never canceled Sword of the Jedi. They just put it on hold. I believe they said on hold indefinitely or something like that. But, you know, so was Darth Plagueis. You know, that was on hold for a good five plus years. Uh, and then it finally came about. So, you know, I, I'm real confident now that it won't be 10 years, that it could be within five. I, I truly have always thought that it wouldn't be until after at least one of the sequel films and standalone films are out, if not the first trilogy. Uh, but I think after that, once they've established the new canon and everybody's kind of on the same page and there's not that need for so much clarity, then they'll be able to put out a story like Sword of the Jedi say, you know, this is a legend story and I think everyone's going to be able to swallow it no problem. You've seen people share photos and stuff where they're repackaging everything with the labels product and selling it. Everything under the sun is being resold. The books are being resold. The comics are being resold. Just no new content is being resold in a physical form. We are getting it in an e-form, very delayed from what we used to get. But again, it makes sense because that's the direction of the publishing and the, and the direction of the, the marketing right now. They want us to be focused on these new films. I guess to hit the three big ideas here, uh, one, as far as, you know, coming in early on this new continuity, that is something that, you know, was kind of the point, right? For the last little while, they've been pushing this whole, we are going to have accessibility. We want to make sure that, you know, these are good entry points for new fans, even when they were doing Legends. That's why we got you know, Empire and Rebellion. It's why we got Star Wars Volume 2 by Brian Wood. All these chances to do something relatively continuity-free and set around the era of the original trilogy to bring in new readers. And instead, they sort of created little miniature train wrecks or stories that were just fluff and filler that didn't really matter. Now, with this relaunch, or whatever you want to call it, they've got the ability to bring in people early and be able to say, kind of like they said back with Heir to the Empire, this is the stuff that counts. Uh, at least, you know, in this incarnation of the saga, this is the stuff that counts. I would say what I find interesting and what I'm curious about is I want to know, and I haven't really done the research to actually look into it, but I'm curious how many new Star Wars timeliners are going to pop up out there. Because there tends to be kind of a small core group of us out there doing this, or that have done this over the years. Some have dropped off along the way, some of us have kept going, but... Now that we have this new canon starting, will there start to be more people doing, you know, this is the canon Star Wars timeline out there, just ignoring Legends and essentially trying to build up new projects based on it, kind of like how new Star Wars films are obviously going to prompt a whole bunch of new Star Wars podcasts, more than likely. I find that kind of question, how it's going to affect fandom projects, kind of interesting. Uh, as to the BB-8 droid, I am a little more positive on BB-8 now that we've actually seen BB-8 as a practical prop or a practical effect, uh, if you want to call it that, and the fact that he's much smaller than I thought he was. Looking at the original trailer, it looked like he was freaking gigantic. Now being smaller seems to make sense, but I'm still curious about the versatility of the droid. That certainly does make sense, though, why you know on Tatooine, treads would suck and a rolling ball would be great. As for Episode 7, yeah, I absolutely think that we should have an, an episode about what we think of Episode 7, but hopefully we can do as we usually do, which is try to give you some type of broader perspective. 
linking it into other things within canon, what has come before, uh, looking at elements that might have shadows or echoes back to the original Legends continuity, perhaps, giving you a context that many other shows either won't or can't provide, and at the same time doing what, you know, part of my second article for that Sequart Star Wars book series is going to be about, which is give you a level of intellectual honesty that in some cases you won't find in some podcasts. There are plenty of podcasts out there who shall remain nameless, who seem like their primary goal in each episode is to kiss Lucasfilm's always. I mean, we're talking about they have their heads shoved so far up Lucasfilm's I'm pretty sure they could see what they ate the night before, or the only time they get any light is when Lucasfilm opens its mouth. Uh, we are not that, right? We see this idea that it's not something that should be bashed, it's not something that should be always praised, that we have this intellectual honesty of sitting back and saying anything is going to have its positives and negatives, anything can be debated, we should be able to have a discussion about those merits, those flaws, uh, the context around which as well any new Star Wars film exists. You know, where does it succeed? Where does it not? Not because we don't love it, but specifically because we do. Because, you know, it just like if we're talking about an intervention with somebody who has substance abuse problems. Just because you love someone doesn't mean that you ignore their flaws. It also means you don't attack the flaws and ignore the person that you love. It's the love that causes you to want to step up, analyze, understand, and try to contribute to making a better whole uh, out there. And I think that's the way that a lot of Star Wars fans look at the saga, at least again, if they're doing sort of an intellectually honest look at fandom, instead of either trying to kiss Lucasfilm's or flipping it around, just jump in with this knee-jerk hatred of anything new, as the case may be. So hopefully we'll be one of the voices of reason that also gives you context that you might not see elsewhere. Yeah. We ponder all sorts of different angles and aspects of it. I mean, I, I know, you know, I like to come at it from a more positive thing and sometimes we're a little more negative, but I think that that's also one of the refreshing things about our fandom is that, you know, some people say a haters got to hate, but at the same time, a comic, you know, they, they live and breathe on what other people would consider hate. Uh, you know, I mean, it's, it can be humorous at times and there is some humor in picking things apart. Uh, you know, and, so I try to stay more open-minded, and I think that's one thing that, that I think we try to provide as well as an open-minded and open show. And, you know, we provide shows and episodes like this where we're going to talk about your feedback to keep our hands on the pulse of fandom, uh, you know, and, and find out what you guys are thinking about. Um, you know, as an EU fan, I get that not everybody wants Legends to continue, you know, and I'm okay with accepting that as well as wanting it to continue myself. And you'll notice, looking at past feedback episodes, when we do get negative feedback, we do tend to feature it on the show and do tend to talk about it. The times that we don't is when we're dealing with stuff like the Twitter thing, where we're kind of mocking it, I guess, because there really wasn't any context to the Twitter trolls' comments. You know, I listened to Stars Beyond the Films, Nathan is blah, 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 Mark is this, and that's really it. Um, you know, we're not going to spend half an hour justifying why I am or am not a self-righteous a-hole, although, wow, listen to Chrono Radio if you think I'm bad now. Um, you know, it's, it's just, it's just, there's no context, there's no depth to it. But when we've gotten detailed criticism, we've taken the time to look at it. It's just that usually we're either not getting the detailed criticism or the criticism that we get, it isn't detailed, right? We're not either not getting it at all and people are just kind of grumbling to themselves 
or the stuff that we get has no depth to it or no detail to it, so we can't go into it and look at it point by point or actually consider what it is they're saying. There's nothing to consider in ad hominem name-calling. You need to actually give some detail. But, yeah, I mean, even when it comes to the pulse of what's going on with our show, we try to be uh, open to those other views. He does ask one other question in a separate email, which is, you mentioned in one of the year-in-review episodes, I think, something about it not being a strong year for books or comics. In your opinion, what was the strongest year for Star Wars publishing? I'm going to toss out two things that I think would be examples of this, though one of them is kind of a cop-out. I don't know the exact year, so here's your cop-out one. The era in which... Excuse me, I guess three. Three answers. Um, the era in which we had Legacy of the Force and Star Wars Legacy both going, which is also the era in which we had the Knights of the Old Republic comics going. That was an extremely strong period of time. I couldn't tell you offhand what the year was. Uh, I also think that the Clone Wars back between 2002 and 2007, prior to the Clone Wars television series coming in and taking a wrecking ball to it, was an extremely strong period. You may not have liked the darkness of some of the stories, but in general... It was the most integrated and well-planned-out era of the publishing process that we've ever seen for Star Wars. Coming up with stories taking place, you know, a week from each other, a month from each other, and making it all work like a puzzle. I would also say, though, that 1991 was extremely strong. Because 1991 was Heir to the Empire, it was Dark Empire, and we were leading into an era in which we started to finally see the old newspaper strips being reprinted as classic Star Wars, which is kind of meh. These days, because it's, oh, it's just old reprinted stuff, but that was a big deal for the time. So I would say early 90s, Clone Wars era before the cartoon series, and the legacy publishing era. But I couldn't give you exact dates for uh, the legacy stuff. See, for me, I, I felt like 2001, 2002, that, that year stretch was... My, that was one of my favorite times. Again, I, you know, no secret here. I'm a huge fan of the New Jedi Order. So that's when that was really kicking out. Uh, you know, the, the books were really well paced. Uh, you know, they were kind of coming out behind each other. Star by Star came out by October. You know, that was by that point, like it just felt like that was everything was being pushed that direction. You felt like Star Wars, you know, the, the canon, the continuity, I should say, at that point was really good. You know, they were bringing in the X-Wing characters and stuff into the New Jedi Order, other characters and stuff that you thought had been dropped and lost along the way. Plot points like uh, what was going on with Centerpoint Station and Corellia were being brought back in. Uh, you know, for the first time, it felt like, you know, they were really going out of their way to show that, you know, this universe is one big universe that everyone is living in and that when things happen, they matter. You know, when the Vong showed up, you know, they started destroying worlds and stuff and conquering things. You know, you saw it shape the galaxy through the covers of the hardcovers of the books and stuff. They'd have the map of the galaxy at, before the invasion and then where it was at at that point in the back. And I mean, by the time you get to Star by Star, it's just insane how much of the galaxy they had taken over. You know, I, it, it was cool because suddenly here was a threat that was so big. It was it was as big and bad as the Empire had seen the first moment you watch a Star Destroyer roll out in A New Hope. You know, it was like, oh, there's no way to stop these guys. Even the Empire has to ban up with the Alliance at this point. And, and you know, watching what happened to the Alliance and, and everything and, and the New Jedi Order or the New Republic, how it collapsed through, through it. I mean, there was just so much going on at that point. And it seemed like everything was being pushed in that direction that that for me was a really big time. 
just up same up with the you know the big push right now with rebels and what we had with the clone wars when it was coming out there was a lot of things in that nature but the weird thing with the clone wars is you know while that was going on that was also the same time it seemed like karen travis was being pushed out so you've got her being the one that that penned the clone wars novelization but we only got a hardcover of that here in the u.s they only saw a paperback in the uk weird things were going on with that so it's like you know some of these big marketing pushes seemed a little more successful than others and, and had the, what felt like the full backing, you know, of Lucasfilm and stuff. And I remember when the Clone Wars came out, there was a lot of weird things going on. A lot of people felt like the Clone Wars wasn't fitting in and, and, you know, some can attribute that to the hand of Lucas, but I know in 2001, it felt like how we are now where it felt like everything was one big story and they were really trying to sell that idea. Our next one comes in from Greg Evans. Now, this is mostly ideas for things to talk about in the near future, especially with The Force Awakens. So we want to put this out there for some ideas of things that we might talk about and just touch on how this fits the approach that we were planning on taking or not, as the case may be. He says, Hey guys, still the best Star Wars podcast out there. Mark, I'm so glad you've gotten Audible. My main interest in Star Wars is the novels, so I'm looking forward to hearing you guys review some more of the books. Anyway, here are some ideas for new shows. Number one. The Force Awakens. Go into detail on what you thought of the movie after it's released and you've seen it a few times. What did you like? What didn't you like? What makes sense? What doesn't? What stories, comics, books, new movies, etc. would you like to see come out of this? What are the more interesting characters? Number two. The Force Awakens versus the Thrawn trilogy or the New Jedi Order. Which is the better story? The strengths and weaknesses of each and how each does better or worse than the other on various topics such as characters, storyline, Jedi, Siths, ships and vehicles. Capelli story and or theme, story flow, number of characters you'd want to know more about. So far, do you like this better for a start of the post-Return of the Jedi versus the Thrawn trilogy? Uh, which one gives you the hunger to know more about what happened after Return of the Jedi? 3. Okay, this isn't a whole show, but to answer the question, what post-EU stuff does The Force Awakens change, and what EU stuff might still be true? Yes, they're separate continuities, and I'm not one of those raving, EU-loving, story group canon-hating people. Still. I love the EU, and while there are separate canons, if my Greg continuity kept them together, I would like to. Yes, it'd be my own continuity, and if I was to discuss Star Wars with anyone else, I'd discuss Legends EU canon versus Story Group canon as what is real, and my continuity is just the world I have in my head that makes Star Wars the most enjoyable to me. 4. I already said this, but what stories would both of you like to see come out of The Force Awakens after you see it? What things might you want answers for? What characters interest you most versus the ones that don't? 5. Go back and do some oldie but goodie EU slash Legends books. Why not three episodes on the Thrawn trilogy? Can we get an episode on the AC Crispin Han Solo trilogy? I Jedi maybe? Maybe each of you choose your favorite EU Legends book and do an episode on each of them. Thank you. Greg Evans. You know, the oldies and the goodies, uh, you know, eventually we will. Uh, I guess that's part of why I had to eventually switch to Audible. Um, you know, yeah, I've read almost every single book on my calendar uh, back at the bookshelf. I think there's only like three books that I haven't read yet that i plan to get to at some point uh but yeah reading has been the hardest part for me i could sit down and read a couple comics uh and jana doesn't have a problem with that but i open a book and jana wants to crawl up in my lap and just dominate my attention uh so i switched to audible and i've liked it uh you know i like especially when the books are unabridged 
uh, so I can kind of, you know, open the book and follow along when I can, um, or just sit there and listen and, and the effects and stuff that come along with it are nice. Uh, it also allows for the show. I'm able to, you know, talk about the different voice actors and what's working and not working in the air to the Jedi episode. I had noticed that, uh, the way the narrator was, was using Nakari's voice had, had made her unattractive to me or unappealing to me. And thus, I didn't see her in any kind of romantic light, but when I was reading the book myself, I could put, you know, more of a, a, a tone or accent onto her. That was one that seemed more appealing. Uh, so that changed things up, but it, it allows me to see that, that I wouldn't normally have seen before because I wasn't paying attention to audiobooks very, very much at all. Uh, you know, I had a few from when I used to work at Kodak and stuff, but most of those were new Jedi order ones and most of them were bridged. So a lot of scenes and stuff were cut out and that used to always just drive me nuts. Uh, but again, eventually we're going to get to a point where we're, we'll have covered all the legends comics, uh, and have no choice. I mean, we've been really kind of focusing on doing comics and stuff cause it's been super easy while I'm still editing throughout the week to just grab a comic and flip through it versus having a whole book read or trying to remember what all happened in those books. Granted, you know, I've got all these different essential guides and things like that, that, that make it a little easier, but I would like to, you know, be fresh off a read because while we're rereading the comics and stuff, I'm discovering all sorts of new things. And as I've said earlier in this episode, it's the rereads that are going to make you really fall in love with a book or a comic. Yeah. Going back to look at things will be interesting, but I don't know when we're actually going to have the time to do it. Uh, I mean, new Jedi order is something Mark has mentioned. I'd kind of like to go back and do a reread of legacy of the force uh, it, there's some question as to whether or not we would really have much to add to the discussion. But for me especially, I think for Mark to a degree, I mean, I've been doing podcasting since 2002. So I've talked about many of the new releases at some point, either on Chrono Radio, uh, the Butlerniverse, when I picked that up doing some Star Wars stuff once Chrono Radio was over with back in 07, uh, the EU Review um, with Andrew before this show got going, Andrew Loopy, not Gilbertson. Um it's sort of one of those things where I've covered some of these and talked about some of them so much, I'm not sure what there is new to say, especially given the fact that some of you may know this, some not. Uh, Star Wars Action News had the Star Wars Action News Book Club, and we would get together after reading a book and do roundtable discussions on the books that were supposed to be put out as these roundtable discussion episodes, kind of like Republic Forces Radio Network or Rebels Roundtable now, and it have special extra material in it sometimes like interviews with the authors and whatnot and we got up through like shadows of the empire or beyond i mean we were into the mid 90s with our reading and recording but only a handful of the ones on the books from the 70s and early 80s ever came out um i think it's just a matter of it, it just became too much to try to edit and arnie carvalho who's over that is very much a perfectionist when it comes to that and didn't want to put out something substandard so they're basically just sitting there so I feel like I've had in-depth discussions on a lot of the early stuff, like the Thrawn trilogy, and I was covering it up to a point on from the Star Wars library before I pulled you know, the video series into a hiatus. So it's kind of that, what is there new to say type of mindset. Um, but certainly, you know, we always find interesting things to talk about when we get into something, even if it is old. So maybe, you know, at some point we'll pull those back in. I think a lot of those suggestions on The Force Awakens, those are the type of things we do intend to cover, particularly... Um, the things that give it that context and that comparison to the old Legends continuity that, again, many shows may not be able to touch on also. Yeah, the other angle, too, is that, you know, could there be things from the EU saved as canon hypothetically? I mean, there are so many angles, and especially when you're looking at stuff before, you know, episode one. You know, most of that stuff's pretty easy to say, yeah, you could save it to a degree. 
uh, give or take the, the force philosophies and the directions that they're going to go. Uh, you know, some of the early EU stuff was more a gray area when Star Wars films were pretty much it's black and white. Uh, but when you get to the stuff after Return of the Jedi and stuff, yeah, now you're looking at, at a very, you know, pick or choose era, uh, you know, what what can and can't make it still based on what's going to come. So. So, yeah, that one could be a, a real fun hypothetical as well, just to kind of, you know, ponder of what events might have still happened, because that's another thing that Celebration, you know, Dave Filoni especially kind of kept going on about is that no idea is ever going to be left behind. And just as Lucas himself would would take and cherry pick ideas from Legends and from the EU, that's going to be what they're going to be doing from here on out. So all these great ideas that just happened, I mean, even some that just literally happened in 2014 are all available to be repurposed and retooled in some form or fashion to tell new stories and new directions. So there's a lot of things that could and could not come forward that, you know, make for some real fun episodes of speculation. Uh, and speaking of references there, I think Mark just made an unintended reference back to our old buddy Chad Peters' fan film trilogy that I think only ever had two episodes released, um, Sex, Drugs, and Natalie Portman. Because in the <laughs> first in the first episode, uh, in I guess it was called Sex, if you break it down by the name, uh, you did have the reference to the little yellow rat that shoots lightning out of his Oh, wait, he said pick and choose, not Pikachu. My bad. <laughs> Uh, long way around for a bad joke, but uh, if you ever ha- if you haven't had a chance to see the original Sex, Drugs, and Natalie Portman film, uh, or if you haven't seen Drugs, which is the second one, uh, they're actually quite good. And I did an interview actually with uh, Chad Peter and the star of the second one, Shane Alonzo, back on Corner Radio back in the day. Uh, it was a fun, fun little film. All right. And lastly, at least for this episode, there's a lot more feedback to come in episodes following this one. We have one that comes in. It probably doesn't really need a response. It just makes a nice sort of dropping the mic kind of ending for us. And it comes in from Matthew Sorensen. Matthew says, Just now getting into your review of Tarkin and enjoyed the amusing discussion of Palpatine's first name. What it reminded me of was when South Park decided to say sh- on television. Hey, you've uh, got some sh- on your face. Thunk. The mic drops. I don't know what there is to say to that. <laughs> oh, Sheev. Now that about wraps up this episode of Star Wars Beyond the Films. We'd like to thank you once again for hanging around with us as we ponder on sharing our fandom. And remember, you can always listen to our episodes streaming online on the Star Wars Report website, Second Airborne Division at www.starwarsreport.com. Episodes are also available on Zoom, Stitcher, and on iTunes, which we always encourage you to leave us a review while you're at it. You can also find links to our episodes on both our Twitter and our Facebook pages at SW Beyond Films. Or just type in Star Wars Beyond the Films in your search bar. Hey, but no matter how you get there, be sure to like our Facebook page. It's one of the best ways to interact with us, our own home one, if you will. Not only can you post comments to us about the show, we love interacting with you fellow fans. So if you have any Star Wars and or EU slash Legends questions, or you just want to comment about a past episode, fire off. You can always email us directly at swbeyondfilms at starwarsfanworks.com. Now, lastly, before we go, we wanted to mention to you our sponsors, Audible. If you go to www.audibletrial.com slash Star Wars Report, you get a free trial run of Audible to see what they're all about. Our sponsors have more than 100,000 titles. You can explore the Star Wars Legends universe or that canon one. 
or any other genre without risk of being stuck with a book you flat out hate because Audible members can exchange any book within 12 months. That's a whole year with no questions asked. So in this digital age, if you're thinking of making the switch from the page to the audiobook, Audible just might be right for you. So once again, for Stars Beyond the Films, this has been Mark and Whistler. And Nathan. Saying thanks for listening and may the force be with you. And don't quote us the odds that we'll actually meet that moment that Mark mentioned earlier of being done reviewing all the Legends comics sometime before the 50th anniversary episode of Star Wars Beyond the Universe. <laughs> there are a lot of comics. There's still some I don't even have. Curse you, Digest. And your I don't quite fit into the continuity. It'd be nice, though, if there was at some point some level of, of official proclamation about how they're approaching it. And the... <laughs> begins. 18 in. Say that again. As for, you know, the mainstream Marvel and Dark Horse runs, uh... I recall, and I'm trying to think if this was ever released in the U.S. I don't think it was. In one of the later U.K. Com Are you hearing that squeal? No. Every time the air conditioner comes on outside, one room over, it squeals like a mother. Outside. You go out there and forty it. <laughs> I was also considering that. <sighs> I'm having so much trouble. Hey guys, I have a few points that I'd like to give a bit of voice to. I'm just crashing and burning on reading. This is why I joke with my wife and say reading is fundamental when I'm reading a bunch of books and I never see her reading a novel or anything and she looks at me and says reading is not fundamental. It becomes like this ongoing joke. Apparently my reading today is broken. Hey guys, still the best Star Wars podcast out there. The only one that came close was the EE Review and Mark was a host on there. What? Mark was a host on there and it, no. Unless he's saying EU because EU. Never mind. You were a host on there. Yeah, that doesn't make sense. So we'll leave out the the only one that came close was the EU review, and yeah, because that doesn't make any sense. Unless he meant EU cast. Yeah, unless he meant EU cast, but he says EU review, which was, uh, whatever. <laughs>